This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This is Undaunted Life, a man's podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Let's get into it. All right, guys, I've got big news for you. As of May 7th, 2020, at 12.50 a.m., I'm a father. So I'm super excited to share this with you guys. Again, you guys, if you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, you know that my wife and I have suffered a couple of miscarriages and those have been very, very tragic for us. And we've been working through those emotions and we had our rainbow baby, right? I I guess that's what you call a baby that you have after you've had a, a miscarriage or that you've lost a baby. And we've gotten that. And so we've gotten the tremendous blessing of welcoming our son into the world. And we didn't tell anybody the name. Okay, so everyone wants to give their opinion of the name and the family's like, oh, let's go ahead and start brainstorming. And we were like, no, we picked the name very, very early on. And the name is James Kyle Thompson. So in our family, in in my family in particular, the men in the family give the firstborn son their first name as the son's middle name. So my dad's name was David. And so my name is Kyle David Thompson. So I'm Kyle. He's James Kyle Thompson. So here's the thing about the name James. It's an incredibly popular name. It's it's actually the number one most popular name over the entirety of the last century. Believe it or not, it's been number one several times. It's been in the top five even recently. It's a good, strong name. We're, we're not big on the, you know, Jim, Jimmy versions of James. It is just straight up James. We love the name. It's very simple. We went through a lot of other iterations, a lot of other types of names, but you know how it goes. It's like, oh, well, that was a guy in high school's name and I don't really like that guy. Or no, that name kind of sounds dumb. Or I think we should spell this name that way. Well, I think that's stupid. We had a lot of fights. (laughs) My wife and I had a lot of fights about the name. And then we settled on James actually very, very early. So we were very excited to, to, uh, get that out to people and to tell people what the name was. And we've heard only good things, but again, the kid's born now, so they can't be like, ah, that name's stupid. Uh, that'd be a pretty douchey thing to do, but he was seven pounds, three ounces, 20 and a half inches long. And he did come two weeks early. So we were uh, on our way to the hospital basically just to get uh, my wife checked out. She was having some pretty painful contractions. And then a few hours later, we're in the other rooms where we're basically going into labor. And so as of the recording of this, he is one week old and we are super, super excited about it. Um, it wasn't the greatest labor. I'm not going to get into all the details, but my wife's epidural did cut out on her twice. And, uh, when you're in the middle of labor, uh, again, I don't know this from experience, but apparently it's not very awesome when the epidural wears off when you're in the middle of pushing and trying to get a baby out of your vaginal canal. So aside from that, we are going to divert away from that, but the podcast for today, I'm going to keep it short and sweet because today is actually my wife and I's 11th anniversary and the baby babies here. And so I need to get back out there and be a good dad and be a good example. But I just wanted to flow on a few thoughts. So obviously the majority of you guys listening to this have children or uh, the majority of you have been children at some point. And so some of these things you've probably dealt with or these emotions that you've experienced, but 
I just wanted to, I just made a list. I just kind of write, started writing down things that I thought a lot about over the last week or things that occurred to me over the last week. So I just want to kind of flow. This will be a much shorter podcast, but don't worry guys. We've got an amazing slate of interviews that is uh, coming your way starting this next week as well. And we've had a, a couple of great ones leading up to this. But the first thought is, um, <clears throat> I guess I've had random emotions well up in me. I'm not an incredibly emotional guy when it comes to like tears and stuff like that. Like I'm a very passionate guy. I'm a very driven guy, ambitious, all those things. But I've had these random moments where I've been like choking back tears in times where it's like, I haven't had to do that. So, um, our neighbors uh, are are just wonderful neighbors. Whenever we announced the name, they immediately sent us a YouTube video of the song, sweet baby James by James Taylor. And so I'm obviously a James Taylor fan. I, I've, I've liked the guy for, for a long time, but I'm not a huge fan in that I know his entire discography and, and all those different things. I had never heard this song before. You know, it was certainly well before my time, but neither my wife or I had ever heard this song before. And so we listened to it and it's such a sweet song and it's such a nice song. And we've probably listened to that song 25 times over the last week, but there have been random, random times when I've been listening to the song by myself. And it's just like this, this overwhelming pride and emotion wells up inside of me. And then there's another song that I was listening to randomly. I was shuffling through some music and I was uh, feeling a Zach Brown band kind of mood. And I put that on there and it go, it came to the song called my old man. And he's singing about his father. And in the first 10 seconds of that song, it was like I, I had transported myself to being a grandfather and, and hearing my adult son that's got his own family describing his old man and how much he wants to be like him. And I just was kind of overcome with emotion. And so that's been something that's really random is that I'm just not really experiencing emotions in the way that I did before. Uh, some softer, some harder, which we'll get into that in, in here in a little bit. Uh, another random thought, and guys, these aren't going to be in any particular order. So if you're type A and looking for order, this is not the podcast for you. But my wife is just a natural. I mean, watching my wife and the grace with which she she handled the labor and everything post-labor and all the ambiguity since. You know, how do we keep him alive the first night? If he cries, do we know exactly what the problem is? Wait, is he uh, that color because he's screaming or is, that, is he that color because he's dying? You know, all these things. Like, I'm freaking out inside. And she's just calm. And and I know she's not completely calm on the inside, but she is just displaying this tremendous sense of calm. And I mean, I feel like I've fallen in love with my wife even more over the last week, uh, even though we brought a new baby, we brought a new baby into this world and, and we've experienced the love that we're giving to a new child. But just seeing my wife interact with my son, it's just been an incredible experience. I mean, she, she's a natural and it just makes sense that she would be for whatever reason. I mean, she's just great at everything seemingly. The next random thought is just, I, I've gotten... I've gotten this sense that I've really got to learn how to handle the freak out. And so the, the, I guess the best way to to tell you the story is the first time I changed James's diaper solo. Okay. Um, that was a terrible experience, not only for James, but for me as well. It was a horrible experience because, you know, uh, we got the poop. Okay. There's poop there. And then, okay. He starts peeing, but I was ready for it. Right. So I've, I've got the, I've got the, uh, the towel there ready to dry it up. Oh, but the towel wasn't placed right. So he kind of peed on himself. Well, crap. Now, now I'm not just changing a diaper. I'm also changing his clothing. And so he's kicking and, and you know, it's hard to get his legs in the diaper. And then, oh, not only did I just, uh, not have the diaper in the right place, I had it backwards. And then when I got it in the right place, when I went to go get the little, uh, Velcro thing ready to go, I ripped the diaper basically in half. So now I got to get a different diaper. I'm trying to clean him up. I'm doing all the things and he's freaking out, right? He he's now he's cold. Cause I took his 
shirt off and he's not supposed to have his shirt off because he's a baby and he's freezing cold and so he's doing like this he's got his hands balled up and he's just wah just, just these wailing cries and every time he wails it's almost like a bullhorn going off in my ear you're a bad father you're a bad father you're a bad father and that was the feeling that I had inside of me and I know that's not exactly true but it probably took me five minutes to get this kid changed and to get his you know new clothes on and again swaddle back up get his hat on and all the different things and the thing was is I could have just handled that entire situation better because I was freaking out. I was not keeping calm. I was not mentally stable at that point. And even just if, if you go through this thing in the military where it's like, okay, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. I wasn't smooth at all, which also made me really, really slow in this situation. And so that's got to be something I've got to learn to handle because obviously right now he's just this thing that just moves and makes sounds. He's not really adding anything to a conversation. There's not really any of this higher level thinking that you have to do as a parent. And so I've got to learn to really, really uh, control my emotions. So that's something I got to work on. The next random thought is just, um, I I had this thought is that people that quit on their lives when they have kids, man, do they have it wrong? So what do I mean by people that quit on their lives? So you'll have these people that'll have kids and they immediately stop working out or they have kids and then they really, really stop focusing on trying to grow their business or all these different things. And I'm not talking about the people that realize that they were workaholics and now they're dialing it back so that they can spend more time with their families. I'm not really talking about that. But for my wife and I, we understand that she's still my number one priority and I'm still her number one priority, which sounds crazy to some people that have kids. But at the end of the day, if we do our job right, 18 years from now, that that kid's going to move out of our house and he's not moving back, right? But my wife is still going to be there. And if I treat her like a roommate for the next couple of decades, that's not really going to bode well for our marriage. And so we've been doing things to, to take care of ourselves. We went on a date today. Her, her mom was in town. We made sure the baby was fed and comfortable. And we went and had a date for our 11th anniversary because that's important. You know, we got to look into each other's eyes and, and tell each other how much we loved each other, as sappy as that sounds, and just to spend some time doing some adult conversating. You know what I mean? And those things are very, very important. So I just don't understand the people that don't date their wives anymore and don't take care of themselves. Again, I've got a guy who's a good friend of mine who has kind of turned the corner a little bit in this area, but he said, yeah, you know, I took a 10 year break from working out because I was trying to help raise my kids. It's like, nah, you were just lazy, bro. That's what that was. Now you hid behind this. Oh, I love my family so much. And everybody look at me because I love my family so much. I'm going to let my body go and potentially delete years off the end of my life in order to take care of my children now. But, but again, I just, that's not something that we've really dealt with. I mean, I missed essentially two workouts and then I got right back on the wagon. But again, my priority is to my wife. And right now, if she needs help with the kid, she can be the ace of spades and supersede any plans that I have when it comes to exercising or doing any of those things. But my wife is such a superstar. She's basically like, like yesterday, actually, she's like, Kyle, you need to go work out. And I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, you're a little bit stressed. You know, you're, you're a little bit on edge right now. I know you just need to go work out. So go to the garage, get out of here. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like I'm here for the baby. Like, what do you need? She's like, I've got everything I need. You just got me water. You just rub my feet. Now get the heck out of here. So it's kind of one of those deals. I just really think it's better for folks that you can keep your life going while still being a good and dutiful parent as well. The next random thought is, um, I'm seemingly more hyper-focused than I normally am. I'm not a scatterbrained person. I don't think that would be a fair way to describe me. I'm just like a dog with a bone, but sometimes there's like 17 bones around. And so I'm like sprinting in all these different directions at different times. But uh, one of these things that I've never really been super tuned in on is my wife's needs. And I'm hyper-focused on that right now. 
I'm constantly asking my wife, what do you need? What do you need? Because, because again, I can't feed the baby right now, right? I don't have boobies with milk. Like I, I can't feed the baby, but there are things I can do. I can make sure that, you know, she's got her phone that's got the app on it, you know, while she's feeding to, to make sure that she can time it. And I can make sure that she's comfortable. Oh, honey, you look cold. Or, oh, honey, do, do you need some more medication? Has your, has your medication worn off? Um, you know, are you still dealing with some pain right now? Hey, uh, you've been up and walking around for a little bit. You should probably should sit down. What were you going to go do? I'll go do all those things for you. And I'm seemingly more hyper-focused on my wife's needs than I ever have been before. And so I'm, I'm pretty thankful that I've kind of naturally made that switch, but I just got to make sure that's not just like, you know, Hey, the baby's been here for a week thing. This is who I'm going to be, but that's who I'm going to be going forward as well. Another thought is, and and this is a weird thought that I did not think that I was really going to share this with you because I didn't really want to tell anyone about this. So, Hey, I might as well tell all the guys listening to this podcast is I feel like the entire process of laboring has revealed my personal selfishness. And I guess the best way for me to elucidate that further is we are all selfish to a degree. Some guys are supremely selfish and some people just have, you know, temporary tendencies of selfishness. But let's just say this, the baby did not come at a very opportune time. Two weeks early, there were a lot of things I was trying to get done uh, specifically for this podcast, but also for my business before baby came, right? And those were the best laid plans. God had other plans, the baby had other plans, but there was a huge podcast interview that I had scheduled months prior that was going down on the day my son was born. And so I had to miss it. We couldn't leave the hospital, right? Like my wife was going to be like, dude, you you need to go do this podcast. It's huge, huge guest. And we're working on getting him back on the podcast. So we'll see if that actually goes down. Um, But I was just sitting there like lamenting almost like, dang it, why did he? Why did my son come early? That was the thought that came to my brain. Again, I'm just telling you guys to be as as transparent as possible. I was like almost mad at my son. I wasn't really mad at him, but I was just like, man, could you not have waited like three days for me to record this interview? I had a big meeting to close a huge deal for, for my business and some consulting that I'm doing. And then it was just like, man, could you not just crap? Like that meeting blew up and it had to be moved and now it's not as good. And now there's this extra expectation now because there's a third mouth to feed. But the whole time I'm just sitting there like, God, how selfish can you be? Like your wife just got through pushing a human being out of her sexual organs, right? And you're sitting here freaking out because, oh, you might have to reschedule a podcast guest. And so that's one thing that I've been trying to be aware of. And maybe that's that's what's led to something earlier about me being more hyper-focused on my wife's needs is again, Kyle, it's not all about you. It's not all about the things that you need and things that you want to make you comfortable at this exact moment. But it's been a very uncomfortable feeling to be sitting there like almost depressed at the things that I wish I was doing at that moment when I'm three feet away from my newborn son who's perfectly healthy, 10 fingers, 10 toes. You know what I mean? So that's been something that I'm still working through right now. Another random thought is um, this, this whole process of labor and even just the first week of being here for my son has kind of revealed my inadequacies. And it's just, again, goes back to those times in, uh, you know, when I'm in freak out mode and I can't seem to get control of my emotions. Uh, some of those things, one of the things that I wasn't too concerned about is because since I'm 33 and not 23, I thought just being at a different level of maturity, different level of understanding, a different level of brain development, you know, my brain's fully developed and all those different things. I thought that there were going to be some things that I would be able to handle better. Um, and the thing is, is I'm not running around like literally freaking out, like, you know, running into walls and and crap like that. But there are some things that I'm fairly inadequate at. And that to a degree, that's what I expected. One of the things about my wife and I, the reason why we weren't freaking out leading into our first kid being born is because we know what we don't know. And we know there's a lot of things that we 
think that we're we're going to be good at that we're actually not going to be good at. There, there's at least that level of self-awareness. We may not be able to describe those things specifically, like in, in each category, uh, I guess would be a good way of saying it. But at the same time, it's one of those deals where she and I are just... We, we understand what we're good at and we understand the things that we're going to have to, to take care of. And like my wife is supremely positive and supremely confident. And she just is elevating that to a more extreme degree right now, because these are times which can lead to a, a tremendous amount of self-doubt and depression and postpartum and all, all these different things. And so that's been an interesting thing to just see where I'm inadequate because being how, who I am and the way that I want to be, I'm trying to focus on making sure to correct those things. Another thing is that my friends and family have been just so generous and not just my friends, but Kelsey's friends and family, super generous and thoughtful. I mean, since the baby came two weeks early, our neighbors, I, I called them on the way to the hospital to be like, Hey man, uh, we didn't plan for this. We, we kind of ran out of the house, but can you like take care of my dogs for the next two days? Oh yeah, man, no big deal. And then the first thing that we see whenever we walk back into our house is not only two healthy dogs, they set up like a little welcome thing on our kitchen counter, right? Well, welcoming home baby James, right? That was awesome. Of course, we got people bringing by food and all the food's been awesome so far. So that's been excellent. Uh, we, we've had people come by to see the baby and, and bring their families by, which has been awesome. My dad for basically the last I guess two months of my wife's pregnancy, he was just every two or three days calling me to ask me if we need anything. Hey, son, you need anything? Hey, does the baby need anything? Hey, does my grandson need anything? It's just one of those interesting times where it's just like, no, dad, I, I don't know that we need anything. I know we've had to cancel some baby showers because all the, all this COVID-19 nonsense, but you know, we don't know that we need anything right now, but just, he was just right there. Just, Hey, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? And then last night I had some friends absolutely take the cake. So I've got this uh, little private whiskey group that I'm a part of in the town that I live in. And it's just like six of uh, six guys or so. And those guys text me while I was in the hospital and they said, Hey, uh, we got a little something for you. Uh, when can we come by? And so we, we just set it up for last night. So they come by and one of the guys walks in with like a handheld Pelican case. And I've been around the whiskey game, whiskey game long enough that when a whiskey person is walking around with one of those cases, that means there's a bottle inside that is worth putting in a very expensive Pelican case. Okay. So without drawing, drawing the story out anymore, uh, the guys basically set the case in my lap and say, uh, open it, but hang on, let's get some video going. So one guy pulls his phone out and I was like, oh, okay. So I, I'm, I'm halfway expecting some sort of an inappropriate gift inside of this thing. You know, they, they got me thinking it's a bottle of whiskey and then I open it up. And there's some foam in the way. And then I move the phone out of the way. And then I see a box. It's a box of scotch. And it says Lagavulin 25-year-old on the outside. And I look at these guys and I go, wait, what? What? Lagavulin, what? And then again, I'm still thinking it might be a joke. Still thinking it might be a joke. I open the box and there it is. A 200th anniversary edition. 25-year-old Lagavulin scotch. Now, why that's significant for any of you non-whiskey people, you non-scotch drinkers, okay? Only 8,000 of those bottles was made. Only 8,000, okay? This is bottle 153 of 8,000. But also, I've tried a lot of whiskey in my life. I've tried a lot of different scotches. That is my favorite scotch I've ever had in my entire life. My favorite category of whiskey is Isla Scotches. You know, the, that's the Ardbegs, the, the Lafroigs, the, the Colilas, the Beaumors, right? And certainly the Lagavulins. But the 25-year-old is just, it's on a different level. And the thing about it is, is even if it wasn't really good juice, only 8,000 of them have been made. 
And these guys got together with, with a friend of mine who is one of the most world-renowned collectors of whiskey. Um, he's one of the few people in the United States that even has this bottle. And they all kind of got together and, and, you know, they split the cost of this very expensive, incredibly rare bottle of whiskey just to say, Kyle, welcome to fatherhood. We know you're going to need this at some point, but man, enjoy on us. And the cool thing was, is I immediately opened, and this is going <laughs> to freak some of you guys out. I immediately opened the bottle. There was not even a second thought that I was going to maybe store this away and try to sell it 10 years from now. No, I immediately wanted to open that bottle and enjoy it with my friends. Cause that's what whiskey's all about is, en- is enjoying it with people. Right. But again, the, the fact that these guys had the forethought, because again, people give guys a bad rap, like, oh, guys aren't very sappy. They're not very thoughtful. They're not anything like that. In order to get their hands on this bottle, they couldn't have just come up with that idea the day before they showed up, right? That, that's not how this works. With a bottle like that, they had this idea months ago. They coordinated as a group without me to make sure that they could pull off this incredibly generous thing. So the the generosity of the gift, the lavishness of the gift is only outweighed by the tremendous thought that went into it, right? So I've been absolutely astonished by that. And it's been, it's been a real treat to see that. And the other thing uh, that I've been thinking about as well is uh, the compliments continue to abound. I know I did a podcast basically where uh, these guys are always telling me, Hey, you're going to be a good father. You're going to be a good father. But just seeing the compliments that my wife and I have gotten from people that are just so supremely confident that she and I are going to make great parents. We have some good friends that live overseas and, and they sent us a message that we read last night. And, and basically it's like, you guys were literally born to be parents. And that, that's a pretty damn good compliment to hear from somebody. It's like, man, y'all were born to be parents. Like you were born to be a, a unit that helps bring a human being into, you know, society to where they're going to have a benefit on, on everything around them. And to hear people say that with such confidence, because guys, you got to know, they don't have to say that. They certainly don't have to take time out of their day to say something like that, especially if they don't mean it. So that's been incredibly, uh, um, you know, honoring uh, for us to hear. And uh, it's very, very, um, it just makes us really happy, I guess. Another thought I've had is I don't feel like I've ever been more vigilant in my life in terms of my focus on being a sheepdog. So certainly most of you guys understand that concept of the sheepdog as uh, presented by Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman, basically three types of people. There's sheep, there's wolves, and there's sheepdogs. And the wolves are always looking around for sheep that they can take advantage of. And the sheepdog is interceding on behalf of the sheep. And um, it's it's a mindset and it's a, it's a, it's a goal for you to basically not only be a well-trained and dangerous person, but not just for your sake, the sake of others and even others that you don't know. Because that's the thing about sheep is sheep will defend other sheep that are part of their family, right? But they're not just going to defend someone else's sheep, right? But a a sheepdog will not only defend themselves, defend their family, they will defend others as well. That have nothing to do with them. And when you see a kid, I mean, you've, you've seen this before. You hear about, you know, these fathers that become fathers. All of a sudden, it's just like they they feel this extra level of anger that they could get to and and inner violence of anyone potentially doing something dangerous or harmful to this child. They're just like, nah, not on my watch. And maybe they didn't have that aggression before, but when they see that baby and they think about anyone taking advantage of them or hurting them, they become very, very overwhelmed and they, they want to make sure that that can't happen. And so part of the thing is, is you can have those overwhelming emotions, but if you're not trained and if you're not willing to do the things it takes to be a sheepdog, then it doesn't really matter what your emotions are at that point. Your, your emotions aren't going to lead you to the outcome that you want if you don't have the sufficient levels of training. And so I feel like for me, my focus on being a sheepdog has never been sharper than it is right now. A couple other thoughts uh, before we let you guys go. I, 
I'm, I'm trying to remember to live in the moment and not look forward too much to latter stages of James's life, right? Not looking forward to, oh, you know, when he's, when he's finally walking or, oh, whenever he can finally, you know, carry on a conversation or, oh, when we can finally read a book together and go over it or, oh, you know, when we can start doing certain things. Some of the best advice I feel like I've got is it's just like, Kyle, it goes way too fast. Enjoy every stage. The stages only get better. They get more difficult, but they only get better. And so I'm trying to do what I can to live in the moment because I'm a guy that looks forward a lot and looks backward a lot. I, I do a really, really crappy job of living in the moment. I'm looking at my past, wondering what I could have done better and how I could have, you know, basically gotten to a better position at an earlier moment. And when I look at the future, it's like, I can't wait to get to the destination. But once I get to the destination, I have a really hard time of enjoying it while I'm in it, right? So that's something I'm wanting to make sure I take a look at. And then the last thing here for you is, and this kind of goes with the, with the last thing I just talked about, I am really, really ready and really excited for taking my son James through rites of passage. You guys have heard me talk about this before. A lot of you have talked to me, you know, offline um, about basically developing undaunted life rites of passage for, for men to go through with their sons. And I'm already thinking through what that's going to look like. You know, what age do you start something like that? You know, how do you increase the intensity of this without making it a crushing experience? It should be an uplifting experience. But like I talk about all the time, like I, I love my dad, but he was very unintentional about a lot of things. Like a lot of the great things that I learned from my father were completely accidental, which doesn't make them any less valuable, mind you. But a lot of the good things I picked up from my dad and things that I will pass on to my son, those are accidental, but I'm a more, in, uh, a more intentional guy. Like I want the, the three-step process to get there. And now that doesn't mean that I'm not expecting to make any mistakes. I, I, planned, I pl- actually plan to make a lot of mistakes. But at the same time, these rites of passage, I don't want accidental manhood. And perhaps it's different in this generation that my son's going to be growing up in because just having, you know, male sex organs now makes you a bad person in a lot of people's eyes. And no previous generation has ever had to traverse such vitriol and and certainly in the education system, right? In the public, certainly the public school education system. And so that's the type of thing is I feel like I've really got to be on my game as a dad and my wife's really got to be on her game as a mom to make sure that this kid's ready to go. That when he's about to leave the nest, that he's ready to fly, that there's no question about it. It's not that we won't be sad. It's not that we won't be nervous, but we want him to be very, very prepared and have all the tools he needs in order to be successful, whatever that ends up looking like. So I'm very excited for that. I'm excited to have a son to, to walk through those things. My wife and I are excited to continue to grow our family from here and see what God has in store for us in those types of aspects. And guys, this is one week's worth of thoughts. So I've got a lot of more weeks, you know, hundreds of more weeks in front of me and I couldn't be more excited. Well, guys, before we let you go, we are going to do a quick resilience boost. As you know, by now we are a men's ministry and our mission is cultivating manly resilience. Specifically, we do that by providing content like this podcast that helps you forge spiritual, mental, and physical toughness. So for today, I've got one thing for you, because if you were like me and you had never heard the song, Sweet Baby James by James Taylor, I wanted to share that with you. So I've got a YouTube link to that song so that you can enjoy it. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. We really do appreciate it. If you would, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Stitcher, and refer your friends to listen and share this on social media. Guys, if we deserve five stars, not four below, but if we deserve five stars or more, please leave us a five-star review and a few sentences letting us know why you like the content. I mean, James would want you to do it. So come on, go ahead and take the time in order to do that for us. We appreciate it. 
I'm currently booking speaking engagements for the remainder of 2020 and the beginning of 2021. So if you want me to come speak at your men's event, at your church, at your team, on your podcast, just hit me up. Info at undaunted.life. The email is info at undaunted.life. Our website and our newly designed and beautiful website is www.undaunted.life. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at undauntedlife or facebook.com backslash undauntedlife. Check out our free devotionals on the Uversion Bible app. Just search Undaunted Life under plans. And as always, we want to thank the band August Burns Red for allowing us to use their entire music library for our content. The intro outro track on this podcast is their song Defender, which is off their latest record entitled Guardians. The links are in the description. I'm your host, Kyle Thompson. Remember, keep cultivating manly resilience, keep forging spiritual, mental, and physical toughness, keep seeking the Lion of Judah. I need a